I do want to thank our worship and all of our production team. Wow, they've been doing this week after week, and it takes a lot. And I'm so grateful for our worship team and our production team that has stayed faithful during this season. So many of them are just volunteers, and they, they have kept celebration going. And I'm grateful to every camera person, every sound person, every video person, all of our singers, all of our musicians. Just so, so grateful. Let me start today uh, by giving you the title of my message. I believe they've got it here. Um, This is the title of my message. Um, Nothing works without without this. Um, Now that you have that, let me tell you what I'm really going to talk about. Uh, What I'm really going to talk about today and and maybe in the weeks to come when I when I have my moments to speak, uh, I'm going to be talking about the love of God. And more specifically, uh, how we are instructed by God's Word to live a life of love. Uh, My real assignment or my real title would really be, Love is Your Assignment. Now, hold off, hold on. Don't turn me off. That's the reason why we changed the title to Nothing Works Without This, because if I told you I was going to talk on love, you'd just turn off the computer. You'd just go on to washing the clothes, and you'd go on to maybe making breakfast because you would look at maybe this subject matter is not a very important subject matter. I know um, this might not sound exciting to you, and you're probably thinking to yourself that this is not my problem But can I look at you today and tell you, you might be wrong? In fact, this just might be the answer to the questions you've been asking. It might be the answer to the situation that is in your your life. I heard this story about a guy who had a friend who was an alcoholic, and, and he found his friend one day at the bar, and so he... He pulls up a bar stool and sits with his friend who's drinking his life away, and he, he asks the bartender to come up, and he says, hey, can you give me a couple shots, and, and one of the shots, can you put water, and, and then the other shot, can you put some hard alcohol, and his friend, friend is there drinking, and so, and so he, he gets the shots, and then he pulls out of his pocket a can that has some worms in them, and so he takes a worm, and he puts it in the in the water, and that worm just begins to swim around, and then he takes a worm, and he puts it in the alcohol, and instantly that worm ends up dying. And he looks at his alcoholic friend, and he says to him, do you, do you get the point of what I'm trying to communicate to you? And so the alcoholic looks at the uh, different uh, shot glasses, and he looks at the worm that is alive, and he looks at the worm that is dead, and he says, I, I think I got it. I think I understand your, your point. And he says, well, well, what is the point? He says, well, the point is really obvious. He says, if, if you drink enough alcohol, you'll never have worms in your life. That really is not the point. The point is you're killing yourself by drinking alcohol. He came to a wrong conclusion. And I think so many of us, perhaps listening to me on the other side of this camera, 
We've come to the wrong conclusion, especially when it comes to this, this, this teaching or this idea of the love of God or us walking in the love of God. I remember when I went to Bible school many years ago now, I was so excited because, uh, you know, one of my fathers in the faith, Brother Hagen, he was really known for teaching on the authority of the believer and teaching on the faith message. And, and uh, I was excited going to Bible school and uh, learning about the things that I was going to learn about, you know, and demons and devils and angels. And, and I was going to learn about the authority of the believer and how to be led by the Holy Spirit and learn about faith and move mountains and, and, and all that awesome, exciting stuff. And I, I'll never forget getting there. And especially within the first three months of my life, I would go to um, class and, and Brother Hagen would stand up and uh, I'd be thinking, here, here we go. We're going to find out about faith. We're going to learn about faith. Here, here we go. We're going to learn about the authority of the believer. And to my amazement, he would just open his Bible and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and, and he would just teach us on the love of God. And every time he would do that, I would, I would I'd begin to come to the conclusion that and think to myself, you know, I, I'd really like to hear about faith. I really like to hear about the authority of the believer because this love thing, that, that really isn't my problem. And, and I think some of you out there today are thinking, hey, that love thing, that really isn't my problem. I, I need to hear about authority, and I need to hear about faith, and I need to hear about healing, and I need to hear about miracles, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just screaming it out loud, yelling it from the rooftops is you might have come to the wrong conclusion. This might be the answer, so much so that in the weeks ahead, I'm going to park on this subject matter myself, and we're going to talk about the love of God. You know, for three solid months, I never heard about faith, and I never heard about miracles, and I never heard about healing. I just heard about the love of God. I remember graduating from Bible school, and people would ask me, did you learn about faith? Did you learn about you know, did you learn about miracles? You know, because that's, that's what they're known for. I said, you know what? To be honest with you, I'm kind of shocked. What I really learned about was the love, the love of God. You know, um, again, Brother Hagen, he, he, he died in 2003 and departed and graduated to heaven. And do you know the very last time he preached just a couple days before he died, do you know what he taught on? He taught on the love of God. So let's get started today in Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 3. I want to read this here. This is Jesus talking here, and I, I, I'm hoping and believing wherever you're at, you're taking notes, you have a place to take notes, you get your family together, and let's just make this a sacred moment because, because I'm going to do more teaching uh, than preaching today. Now, I'm, I'm not looking to inspire you as much as I'm looking to explain the truth to you. In Matthew 24, verse 3, it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, Jesus, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they're interested. When, when's this thing going to come to an end? So they're thinking it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to an end shortly. Now we're looking at it 2,000 years later, and, and actually Jesus is talking about the end times that we are actually living in. They're asking him about it. And Jesus answered and said to him, 
said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Well, that's important because deception is a, is a sign of the end times. Well, you better be watching where you get your news. You better be watching who you're listening to. Verse 5 says, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will, de- and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. So this is a sign of the end time in which we're living in. Now, now, now we know we're, we're, we're living in the end times. We're closer than any other generation, right? We might not be there yet. It still may be a while, but, but we've got to be closer than any other generation. And so here's what you're going to hear. You're going to turn on the evening news, and you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. I like what Jesus says here because this is the church's position. He says, see that you are not troubled. Wow. Come on, somebody needs to hear that. I don't care what you're hearing out there. See that you are not troubled. We should not be troubled by end-time events. We should not be freaking out like the world freaks out. He says, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. That's ethnos. That's dealing with ethnicities. That's not talking about governments, by the way. That's not talking about empires. That's talking about groups of people. It actually is talking about the different races. So it says uh, nations or races or groups of people will rise against each other. They'll have division. Hello, somebody. Sounds like the day we're living in. And kingdom against kingdom, that's your nations. And there'll be famines. Hello. Pestilence. Pestilence is plagues. How many of you know that, that the, a virus is a plague? The Bible's Jesus says, this is what's going to happen in the end times. There's going to be viruses. There's going to be pestilence. But remember, church, do not be troubled. You don't have to freak out when the world is freaking out. Goes on to say here, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. It's not the end, but it is the beginning of the end. Well, how long will that be, Pastor? I don't know. Could be tomorrow. Could be another 50 years. But we're entering into that season. And it's a great season for the church because this is when the greatest outpouring of the Spirit comes to our world is during the end time. And it says right here in verse 10, and many will be offended. This is end time signs. Many will be offended. <laughs> mm, that, that's not funny. But the truth is, look at our world. Look at social media. Come on, look at our lives. Many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. I'm here to tell you, I've never seen it. I've only lived about 29 years too. I'm right there with my wife. And I've never seen more hate unleashed upon this earth than in the season, the hate, the division. Come on. The offense. Never seen more of it than in the moment we are living in right now. Verse 11, the many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, this is end time, because lawlessness will abound. What's going to happen in the end times? Lawlessness will abound. I know the answer to that. Let's defund the police department. Let's defund uh-oh, for first responders, that's not the answer to lawlessness. No. Lawlessness is a sign of the end times. But can I remind you? Can I remind you? See that your heart is not troubled. We don't have to freak out like everybody else is freaking out. Now, I read all that to read this because this is what Jesus says about the end time, a sign. He says, because lawlessness, lawlessness will abound. Notice this, the love of many will grow 
cold. The love of many, the love of many will grow cold. That word cold means passive. It means lifeless. It means complacent. Now, here's, here's the shock. He says it's not going to be a few, but it's going to be, it's going to be many. This, this word love here is the Greek word agape. He says, he says the, 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 the agape or the love of many will grow cold. Now, 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 here's what really needs to catch your attention. This is not talking about worldly people because worldly people don't have the agape love of God in them. It's only followers of Christ who have received him as their Lord and their Savior. So this is specifically talking about people who believe in Jesus because they're the ones that have the agape love that came into them the moment they got saved. And the Bible says that there'll be many of them in the end times that they're just going to get complacent, that their love is just going to grow cold, that they're just going to be passive about the things of God. Here's what we need to understand, this word agape. Let, let, me, let, let me talk about uh, this Greek word for just a minute. You see, in the New Testament part of your Bible, uh, uh, it's translated uh, from the original language. In our English language Bibles, uh, the New Testament is translated from the original text, which is the Greek language. Now, in the ancient Greek language, they had several words, stick with me, for, for, for the word love, enabling them to distinguish more clearly between the different types of love. In the English language, we, we only have one word to describe love. So we use that word love in so many different ways. We use it for everything. We kind of spread it like mayonnaise over all of our different relationships. We say, I love my car. I love my house. I love my dog, right? I love my cat. Really? Can you love a cat? I mean, come on. And, and they will say things like, I love my job, right? I love my boyfriend. I, I love my iPhone. We just kind of spread it out. Kind of like, man, we, we love our pastor. That was a little self-serving, right? Hmm. Now, in the Bible, in the New Testament or throughout the Bible, you will basically see four types of love. This is very important in the Greek language. The first one is eros. You'll see this throughout the Bible. It is the romantic or the sexual love that, that many of us are familiar with. Then you have uh, storgy. And this is the love, the, the affection that occurs between family members. It's kind of the family bond that you have with one another. You may not get along with one another. Uh, you, you can talk trash to one another, but if somebody else talks trash against your brother, come on, game, game on, right? So that's storgy kind of love in the Greek language. And then you have phileo, which some of us are familiar with that. That is the affectionate uh, love that you have for a friend. And then you have agape, which this is the unconditional, the love that we just talked about that's going to grow cold in the end times. It's a sign. Agape is the unconditional love of God, or we could say it this way. It is the God kind of love, uh, and this love is not natural. It doesn't come natural. Uh, it's actually something that is very supernatural. So out of these four Greek words, 
we all translate all four of them into one English word uh, that we, we, call, we call love. So it's important to go back to the original text every time you see the word love in the New Testament to make sure you know what kind of love it's talking about. And let me tell you, most of the time in the New Testament, in fact, over 200 times in the New Testament, the, the word translated love, is, it's, it's, its Greek word is agape. It is the love of God, or it is a God kind of love. And it's not natural. It's not, it, it is supernatural. And so I, 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 want, I want to push us up against this, this understanding because as a Christ follower, uh, to, to love, the, the agape for a Christ follower, it, it's not a suggestion. It is actually a commandment that you live in. I want you to hear that. So God is saying, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, in the last days, here's going to be a sign that, that, that the end is coming, is that, is that believers, their love, their agape is going to get cold. It's going to get complacent. And I, I believe that's a problem. And that's a problem for you, and it's a problem for me, because if our agape gets cold, I'm here to tell you, nothing in your life will work. You need to hear that. For a believer, the agape love is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. John 15, verse 12. Notice what it says here. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love or agape one another as I have loved you. Romans 13, 8 says, you should owe nothing to anyone except that you always owe love, agape, to each other. You always owe the God kind of love to each other. The person who loves others has done all that the law commands. That's how you fulfill the whole Bible. That's the reason why if you'll walk in love, everything will start working in your life. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, notice it's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. Notice Paul says in Corinthians here, he says, be alert. Be firm in the Christian faith. Be courageous and be strong. Do some things with love. No. It says to do everything with the agape, the God kind of love. It's not a suggestion. We can't afford for our love to get cold. We can't afford for our lives to become complacent when it, when it comes to the things of God. God wants a, a hot love. He wants a passionate love that's operating and flowing through the life of believers. You may not know this, but the mark, the genuine mark of a believer is the love of God in and through them. First um, John, did you hear what I said? If you want to really know what a believer looks like, what is the seal? What is the certificate? It is, it is the love of God. That's, that's the genuine uh, mark of a Christian is that they actually live a life of love. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, Dear friends, let us practice loving each other, for love, agape, comes from God, and those who are loving and kind show that they are the children of God and that they are getting to know him better. But if a person isn't agape, if a person is not loving and kind, it shows that he doesn't know God. 
for God is love. Love isn't something that God does. It's who he is. It's his very nature. It's his very character. And the Bible says right here, if you do not love, you do not know God. Because knowing God is to have the agape kind of love functioning in your life. You see what gives you your stamp of approval that you are a genuine Christian is that you've got agape that's hot, that's passionate, the God kind of love that's working in your life. Let me read it out of the message translation, verse 8. It says, the person who refuses to love does not know the first thing about God because God is agape. God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. Wow. You see, I'm not sure if you know this, but it's love that really impresses God. If you really want to please God and if you really want to impress God, it's going to take love. Notice what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. This is what Brother Hagin would preach to us all the time. He says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Wow. You mean if I don't have love operating in my life, I can, I can, I can speak well, but I'm still just a creaky, the creaking of a rusty gate. I opened my, my closet door this morning like at 4 o'clock in the morning. It needs to be oiled, and it just, it just squealed and creaked the whole way, and it, it upset my, my beautiful 29-year-old wife and my, my bed. How many of you know you can speak well, but if you don't have love, it's just, it's just a creaking, just a horrible noise that just upsets everybody around you. Verse 2 says, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says, uh-oh, uh-oh, i got to back up because it's talking about some of us now that believe in miracles. He says, he says, if I reveal all mysteries and make everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, Wow, that's me. For those that believe in miracles, that's you. For those that believe in miracles. If I have faith to, that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no, no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I like this. It says, I am bankrupt without love. God's not impressed. Hear it. God's not impressed with your gifts and your abilities and your talents. What God is impressed here, according to the Bible, He's impressed with your willingness to love. According to the Bible, according to what we just read, that without love, let me give you just some bullet points here, that without love, all that we say is ineffective. If without love, number two, all, without love, all that we know is insignificant. Number three, a bullet point, all we believe is insufficient. Number four, all that we give is incomplete. You, you can give all your money away. You can, you can fix every humanitarian cause in the earth, but if you don't have love, it's incomplete. Without love, all we accomplish is inadequate. Then, I like it. Because it goes on and begins to give us the description. Come on, I, I'm almost done. 
<laughs> we're just going to have to park here and we'll pick it up later. But, but I, I, want, I want us to get the, the description. Now that you realize the importance of love, what, what, what does this look like? What, what is it that I need to walk in? What is it that I, I need to stir up in my life? 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love, love does not, dem- uh-oh, I got to back up, going too quick. Slow down, preacher. In fact, I don't think I'm going to get far, so I'm going to ask my piano person just to come back. and let, let me slow down here. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable or touchy. Hmm. Prior to that, it says it's not boastful or rude. Does not hold grudges. Keeps no record of being wrong. So, so according to this, love does not boast about one's life on the Internet. According to this, love does not post all the wrongs of other people on Internet or social media. Love doesn't say, I did it right and they did it wrong and point fingers. That wouldn't be love, right? I wonder if we all looked at our social media posts. That's where so much hate is going on right now. I, I wonder if we looked at our own social media post if, if it would be violating the commandment of love. You see, if you operate in agape love, where you're not rude, where you're not demanding your own way, where you're not touchy and you're not irritable, people will actually think you're kind of naive. You know why? Because love will blind you to what other people do against you. He goes on to say in verse 6, it does not rejoice about the injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Verse 7, love never gives up on people. Love never gives up on people. Love never gives up on people. Hello. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Did did you notice, and and we'll go back to this in, in the future to really boil that down, but did you notice that none of these characteristics of love and most of the stuff we're seeing, not just the world, we're seeing the church violate this day in and day out through all kinds of relationships that they have. I I can get the world fighting with each other, but the strife and the anger and the bitterness and and the gossip against each other believers, what is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's the end day sign. And we're being deceived, and we've gotten cold in our, in our love walk. And I, I'm here to pastor a family. I'm here to pastor the people of celebration and all those that are watching that, that, that we can change today. We can make adjustments today, that, that we don't have to flush our lives down the toilet because nothing in this life as a believer will work for you if you don't have agape, the love of God functioning and living and flowing through your life. You see, God's God's love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a it's 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 a commitment. It has nothing to do with emotions. It's a it's a commitment you make to God. Love, love is a choice. It's a decision you make. In other words, every decision that you come to in life, you always you always ask yourself the question. What would love do 
in this situation. I know they stabbed me in the back, and I know they've been saying some junk about me on the social media platforms, and I know they've been, I, I know they stole that, and I know they took that, and I know they did that, and I know they mean harm for me, but, but I got to ask myself, what would, I know they're gossiping about me, I know they're talking about me, but what would love do? Huh. It's a commitment. It's a decision. You see, as Christ followers, we don't live our lives based upon feelings. Feelings will change. You figure that out. It's kind of like the yo-yo, right? Feelings are up and they're down. We are to live our lives by the love of God. And I can just hear somebody, I can just hear somebody today saying, Pastor, <laughs> boy, did I ever watch the wrong service. I don't think I can, I can do that love stuff. But I've come to tell you today, I've got good news. You can do it. Because Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible says, God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You can do it. You can agape, you can live the love of God right here and right now, not because you have it within your ability, but because when you got born again, when you got saved, when Jesus came into your life, when the Spirit of God moved into your heart, you know what happened? He brought the agape in there with you. And, and God doesn't want you to get sidelined with all these other forms of love. He doesn't want your agape. He doesn't want your love to get cold. So everything that God is saying for you to do, you actually now have the ability to do it because he's put it in your life. It's not an emotion. It's not something you will feel. It's just simply a decision you'll make in every situation of life. What would love do? I'm here to tell you, we're going to park right here. I'm going to come back and do part two. It's the best part. But I'm here to tell you, you don't know it yet, but I'm here to tell you, nothing in your life as a believer will work with, 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 without the agape, the love of God being demonstrated in your life. It is the answer. <laughs> it is the key. Come on. It, it, is, it is what we need right now to be overcoming every situation. It'll fail-proof your life. It'll bring joy to your life. It'll bring deliverance to you. I'm just here to tell you, God is saying, I need you to love. I need you to do this. It's my commandment. And, and, and when we look at the description of it, go, well, how in the world can I do that? You can't do that by yourself, but God, in you, you can do it. And if you'll stop lending, if you'll stop yielding yourself to your emotions and start yielding yourself to a commitment of the love of God, I'm here to tell you, it's going to change your life. Celebration. Nothing, let's say it again, nothing works in your life without the agape working in your life. God's love 
has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you. God, as we're in this teaching mode, just laying a foundation here, that God, the family of celebration, the people of celebration, that God, what we've heard today would be enough to begin to make adjustments. <laughs> but Father, I don't believe there's a purpose, person on the other side of this camera that God would want their love to grow cold during their life. But Father, life itself just has a way of causing that to happen. But Father, we, we make adjustments right now that what's been poured into our hearts, the love of God, the, the very nature of God, that we're going to begin to yield to it, even in this very diffi difficult situation of life. Father, you said it's a commandment, not a suggestion. It is the mark of the believer. So, Father, I thank you today in every life, every home, every family, as a church. We make the decision today to judge ourselves in these areas. And, Father, if nobody else walks in love, we're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in love. And we're going to extend what's been poured into our hearts out through every situation and relationship. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Do you receive that today? We're going to go back into one more song. I, got, I just got to tell you, I had to park there. I thought I'd get a whole lot further down the road. The good stuff is coming. You are going to be shocked what happens in your life when you get naive by not walking. You're not naive, but you look naive when you begin to walk in the love of God. I'm here to tell you it'll cause everything in God's Word to begin to work in your life. Wherever you're at, in your homes, wherever, maybe change your position, your posture. Let's go out with with just one last worship song in this building. You guys can stand. Let's believe God for do something in our lives. Come on, did you get this today? Did you receive something today? Come on, what's our homework this week? We're going to yield ourselves to the agape, the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. We're not going to be rude. Come on. We're not going to try to get even. We're not going to point our fingers. We're not going to hate like the rest of the world hates. What we're going to do is we're going to walk in love. Come on, we're going to stir Show up that love, love that, that, that love that has grown cold, and we're going to get hotter and hotter. And the hotter we get, I'm here to tell you, church, the game is on. Revival is on. The awakening is on. Come on, our city is going to be one. We love you. We thank God for you. Come on, just raise your hand. Lift your hand right where you're at. Not if you're driving. But wherever you are, just, just change your posture. Come on, let God do a work as we close this service. God bless you. Come on, let's sing. Show me how to love. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 